Hey, wrestling fans, this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Stay tuned because you'll be listening to another wrestling podcast. Barn wasn't calling you out here, dead man. He called me. So with all due respect, this is my yard now. season is all about it's time for uh, another wrestling podcast oh we are taking over Drink it in, man. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. They think they got the answers. I change the questions. Awesome! When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. A-W-P, another wrestling podcast. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the 150th episode of another podcast of wrestling. I am Credo. And I am the Kucha of the Angry. And I am Michael of the Minorities. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Together we just broke AWP. <laughs> welcome to Delete the bro- <laughs> welcome to the broken show, uh, guys. Wow, that's I, that's that's it. I think that's that's going to be the greatest thing we ever did right there. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> b- besides that, another great thing that's going to happen today. Joining us is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Hall of Famer, legend. Oh God, you know the first pay per view I ever ordered, he was actually in the very first match, and I was just in awe of him. It was a triple threat. Listen to this lineup. Ricky Steamboat, British Bulldog, and the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich versus the Warlord in Power and Glory. So he just comes out, he breathes that fire out, and I'm just like, well, this guy is amazing. And he just stole the match. I mean, from then, you definitely were just hooked. The man is joining us today. It's going to be great. Uh, guys, we broke the show at the top. I think we're living in bizarro world right now because did we just see a pay-per-view last week? Was that a pay-per-view? I mean, I feel like it was Raw 2.0 or something. That was... I, don't, I was expecting more. It's the last pay-per-view before Mania. And I feel like they killed a lot of things going into Mania that could have been saved for Mania. They could have been Mania moments. Let's talk about this because... Uh, the whole thing's broken right now. Oh my god, catering must have been really bad, and I must be out of baby wipes because that was the drizzling shits. I don't know what you guys are watching, what pay per view you were watching, but I, I thought I was watching an episode of WCW Nitro. Like <laughs> that's that's how bad it was. The booking. Uh, I mean, I mean, you remember that sign 
that Triple H held in the Attitude Era says, "Who books this crap?" <laughs> in that, in that one segment. That's that's the first thing that came to my mind. Man, it's like, did we? Did anybody not realize that Mania is only a few weeks after this? Like, I, I know, I know, this show didn't have to beat Mania or be a Mania. But still, like it's your last platform to do, uh, set up an angle, set up something, set up the storyline going into Mania, and let's just name some of the stuff that were destroyed at Fastlane. First of all, Braun Strowman, Nia Jax, their momentum has been killed. Uh, they were the monsters. They were the undef- you know the unmovable objects, if you will, and they they were they were beaten. That's it. That just ended it right before Mania. So <laughs> there's no build up to Mania. How for about them. this for a momentum killer? How about uh, the relevancy of the Universal title itself? Because now our main event, or what everyone is supposing is going to go on last, is going to be two part timers going after the belt. Everyone's worst fear. It just gets worse after this, folks. Ugh, but you got two guys that are part-time that could do as much drugs as they want, and they're not going to get <laughs> tested. Because the WWE, they, they don't test part-timers. It's it's a fact. It's been out there. That's why Lesnar has been shooting needle up. I mean, Goldberg, the guy, I, I watched an interview post-match, and he was breathing so heavily trying to get through this interview like imagine him trying to work a two-minute match let alone he just only did 22 <laughs> seconds this is horrible guys this is I, oh my god i don't know why people think this is good for business because it's not it, it's, what's been, it's amazing what, right what's been so interesting for me is that I've, I've wanted to be the guy who says all right i want to give this a chance i want to see where this is going and now that we've basically gotten almost to where we want to be, I want to turn around and go home. <laughs> like, for real. Like, we, we have taken the Universal title, made it worthless. We, we have killed some decent storylines that, that could have happened. Why do we got Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker? Oh, that's, a, that's, another, that's another story right there. Well, if we could take one step back, to talk about Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho. Right All there, right. right there, though. I mean, just briefly to where... It's literally four weeks now, five weeks out from Mania, and he drops the championship after holding it for how many months? Uh, just for what? Like, what is Mania anymore now? It's just like, I don't get it, because you, he held it for that long, that long, and you get right next to Mania, and we're going to give it to Goldberg, because he's he signed a contract for three matches, and this doesn't make his match better against Brock. It does, I don't care. Like, I, I, this title does not enhance their match. Their match was fine as it is, being... You know, the Icon versus Icon match. I get it. It's the nostalgia of it. That's fine. That's all that match has to be. It does not need the championship in there. For guys that work all year round for this company to now WrestleMania, man, I we can understand where CM Punk is coming from nowadays because uh, just for this moment right there, now he's going to fight for the U.S. championship. Go, like <laughs> The man held the top title of your brand all, for how many months and now four weeks into it, we're just going to give him the Universal Championship match? I mean, uh, the we're going to give him the United States Championship match? What the hell are they smoking back there? Because I want some. The best part about right this... The best part of the thing that came out of this match were all those gifts of Kevin Owens talking shit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That was great. He called Goldberg a piece of shit in the ring. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you something right now. I mean, this was supposed to be a video game promotion that has gone way too far. And I, w- I will go on record right now and say I will not 
be buying WWE 2K18 when it comes out next year. <laughs> I God forbid they put like I don't know, like maybe like Hogan or not Hogan. I'm sorry, like another part timer big guy. I mean, give me a name, put him on the cover. Next thing you know, he's going to be, you know, the next Universal Champion. This guys, this has gone way too far. Let me ask you this though: Would we be having the same conversation if it wasn't Goldberg and it was CM Punk? It's it's weird though because I mean CM Punk now. No, but CM Punk maybe 10 years from now, yeah. I mean, like, Uh, you know what I mean? Goldberg just being how many years has he been out wrestling to where if we go down the line, you know, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, we look at, hey, CM Punk wants to make this return, and he's just over the hill, and it's just like, come on. Like, if it was CM Punk now coming off that UFC match being beaten up, I think it would be kind of cool, but definitely not CM Punk 10 years from now. But at least then you know it would be somewhat of a competitive match. I think the main problem is why does it have to be a squash? Yeah. You know, I mean, they they had a, a little good little ring psychology thing going where Owens kept going out of the ring. And, uh, you know, the little distraction with Jericho, we, we could have had, you know, uh, a couple of minutes of work. Mm. I mean, seriously, even Brock Lesnar's got to be pissed. He's gonna be like, damn, this motherfucker's matches are shorter than mine. He's probably getting the same, same fuck money. <laughs> you know, there's so many matches too. This mania, I'm not gonna go through it right now, but like literally 14 matches, and they still haven't. There's still probably two on the back burner to where okay, they really know that this main event is going like five minutes. That they really need some filler, or like something, something has to happen after this match to where like yes. Finn Balor has to come in and challenge him, like like an almost like a WrestleMania nine to where remember Hogan came in and uh, you know challenged Yokozuna after Brett lost it or whatever. Something to that effect. Something's gonna happen. To, to make up for this, I think, because you saw Goldberg on Raw. The man was sweating after taking an F5. Like, he was, you know, <laughs> if you put him against uh, Patrick Ewing in a sweat contest, I can't, I can't oh believe him. Like, oh, like, wow. What would you, you know, the best, do? Man. The best part about that segment was when Lesnar picked him up for the F5. He would not let go of that title for dear life. And he held on to it like a little kid holding on to his favorite toy. No, he would have <laughs> dropped it. And then he finally like let the let the belt go. I don't know if someone yelled at him to drop the title. <laughs> I mean, if you go back and watch the footage when when Lesnar put him on his shoulders, he held on for dear life. <laughs> well, guys, oh how, how about this? I mean, that was one aspect of the show, just fast lane. But okay, uh, how about Charlotte's streak ending? Her pay per view streak. They kind of built this up. Week after week, month after month, saying, oh, you know, she's undefeated in pay-per-views. Uh, I forget the exact number, but, you know, okay, she lost. Remember her losing every week? To, 16. To, yeah, to, to Charlotte. She, I mean, to Sasha, she was she lost on Raw how many championships to her on Raw, but she would win it right back on these pay-per-views. And once again, like, couldn't this have been a mania moment to where I would have been fine with Charlotte beating Bailey for the championship and then maybe losing it to her or whoever else at WrestleMania just just for that streak to end at WrestleMania. Like, why why lose now and not at Mania? What's the what's the big deal about like doing it now and or you know not at Mania? I feel like that could have been another Mania moment where ooh Charlotte Flair lost her streak there. You know, like it just adds to the show and they they that's it. Her streak ended. I've said this before. Go ahead. I, I, I said this before. I'll say it again. The WWE they get this idea in their head and instead of waiting. They just like to blow their loads early. Like that's what they did with Finn Balor when it came to the demon character. They could have waited to SummerSlam to debut it, but they had to do it the the Monday before. 
they had to end the streak, the the pay per view before WrestleMania. They I, I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. They had a great program going with Bailey. They could have built her up as this underdog, conquering everybody, finally getting to Charlotte at WrestleMania, and they blow it. Yeah, the general trend is, has seemed to be the payoffs are happening way too early. They, you, all the things that I think none of us would really complain about if it happened on the Mania card itself. And they're that's telling the us to, they're pretty much telling us not to watch WrestleMania because you're not going to get those moments there. You'll get it over here. You'll get it over there. You're not going to get this moment at WrestleMania. You're just not going to care. They don't care about the storytelling on the biggest show of the year. They they, they just want that spectacle because that's all that matters to them right now. And it really is making a lot of people pissed off, man. Uh, well, I think that pretty much just sums up Fastlane, though. I mean, we, there's other little things that happen throughout it, but that's pretty much the consensus of everybody. I don't think uh, you guys, uh, Mike, I know you were following Twitter, too, right afterwards. I don't think there was one good tweet about Goldberg winning that championship that night to where they could have used it for anything. No, there was not a single positive tweet about that. <laughs> nah, I mean, if you, if you went on to Twitter that night, you saw trolls, um, trolls, casual fans, the hardcore fans, they all joined forces and came together and realized how idiotic a 50-year-old man is winning a world heavyweight title against a guy who is considered their workhorse. I mean, Twitter blew up. People were just not happy about it. WWE posted the video of Goldberg talking about the title win, and you did not see one positive tweet. And if there actually, I take that back. There was one guy who was a fan of it, and the trolls went on attack. They shredded this guy apart, tweeting at this guy. I mean, social media backfired on the WWE in, in my mind like after the shit I saw sure well yeah, Bill Goldberg is not Bernard Hopkins let's just get that out of the way <laughs> uh, well, uh, regardless that was fascinating everybody I mean uh, there's a lot of other good stuff coming up uh, that happened this week so let's just get right into the week that was shall we all right guys uh, I was there it was crazy I did not did not expect this. Uh, the Hardys showed up at Ring of Honor Manhattan Mayhem this weekend uh, on, on Saturday. They they did, and the, the Bucks had a tag team match. Uh, they they won, and then the Hardys came out. Uh, they challenged them to the gold. It, long story short, the Hardys <laughs> are now the Ring of Honor uh, tag team champions. Uh, smart move, good move, bad move. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, the fans were going nuts. I, I I've never seen somebody so over so late in their career than the Hardys are right now. Just how they redefine themselves. Uh, it, it was amazing. The house, the, the roof was about to, to come off over there. If you don't love the broken Hardys, there's really something wrong with you. The only reason to watch Impact or TNA or, or whatever that bullshit show is called for the last year has been the Hardys. And they have been so fun. And the TV has been... Terrible, except when they're on. It's actually watchable when Matt Hardy is on with Senior Benjamin and King Maxwell and all this stuff. It's just some of the funniest television, and I enjoy it. And I'm glad that they're going to be somewhere where they can be used properly and maybe uh, both of them will benefit, Ring of Honor and the Hardys. 
you br- you bring up the fact about how TNA is unwatchable. I mean, I tried tonight to sit through TNA, <laughs> and the the highlight of the show was watching Matt and Jeff wrestle the credits when it was over. <laughs> that that too. That was that was the best part when it was over. But Matt and Jeff wrestling a kangaroo was the highlight of this show. It, it was J- Jeremy Jeremy Borash and and the guy that blocked me on Twitter, Matt ja- Josh Matthews. He blocked me too. Don't feel bad. Yeah, he blocked me because he's a sensitive little prick, but that's a different story from <laughs> that. And that this is horrible to listen to him on, on commentary. So now that the Hardys aren't going to be on TNA television anymore, like I mean, why do I need to tune in? Uh, that was that was their one little hook, if you will. They actually drew them a lot, uh, some of the best ratings, I think, just for having those broken, uh, you know, those episodes with them uh, and on their little Hardy Ranch, if you will. Uh, it's crazy, man. Like I said, these guys have reinvented themselves. They're now at Ring of Honor. I even hear they just uh, TMZ just stopped them to where Matt is still. They're still talking in WWE and other places too to show up there. So um, I don't think they specifically said what their contract is at Ring of Honor. I'm sure it's some kind of a short-term thing. But still, I think they're doing something smart right now, and it is smart to kind of give them the championships. Uh, it makes Ring of Honor stand out right now too to maybe any casual fan who watch TNA that didn't really watch Ring of Honor, but now that they know they're there, they'll probably tune into Ring of Honor. So it's a nice little hook, uh, if you will, for, for fans to watch them. So I feel like I know it could be, it could be Vince saying, Hey, go over there for a few months, just so people don't think you're going to be back after Mania or something along those lines. You never know. I mean, it's, it's not unheard of. I mean, you remember CM Punk winning that title when his contract was allegedly over and he would show up at independent shows with that belt. So hell, you know, why not? I feel like the Hardys probably only signed for a month. They're going to be there for a month. I mean, April 1st, they're, they're facing uh, the young bucks again in Orlando. I'm sure that's going to be their final blow off match with the young bucks. Their belts are probably going to go back to the young bucks. And then we're going to see the Hardys show up on raw the night after WrestleMania. I'm calling it right now. I think that's what it is. I mean, be awesome if, if that's yeah that would be amazing um we'll just have to wait and see they they've been nothing but great on tna i mean their expedition of gold has just been must see tv i mean they're traveling to different promotions taking their titles how great would it be if they brought that that expedition of gold to the wwe and went after whoever the tag champs are that that would oh, be awesome you gotta and you gotta put them on smackdown Forget Raw. Yeah, <laughs> they need to be on SmackDown because because you, you got to have some type of reunion with the Wyatts because the Wyatts and the Hardys they need some kind of help over in the tag team division over there. Do you realize the past two weeks of SmackDown have not had a tag match? Wow. Well, I mean, the Wyatts are going to have to wait though because unfortunately, as of right now, the Wyatts are no longer a family. Well, whatever. <laughs> Ring of Honor is going to bring in the Broken Hardys, Bully Ray. Hopefully they bring in some other kind of names. Damn, man. Give them a better TV deal. Like, take TNA off. I don't know why they even have some kind of deal with anything. Like, I know Ring of Honor has their somewhat TV deal, but I, they need, like, a Spike TV deal like TNA had that once. They need don't a don't re- even say that, man, because I even heard some rumors going around there that I, think, I guess Jarrett was in talks for trying to get them back on mm. Spike. Good yeah. luck with that, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that, and it's a shame because it's like TNA, just let them die and like just, just don't. Oh, I, I know they're not using TNA anymore, but just uh, okay. You can't just rebrand it as Impact Wrestling. Everybody still knows what it is, and I don't know. It's like it's like it's like the place where if you, if 
if a food place gets like somebody gets caught ha- with salmonella poisoning, right? Are you going to go to that same restaurant just because they changed their name? Like you figure eh, they still don't know how to fucking do deal with their shit, and why would I go there? So they just, give me a discount. Why not? <laughs> I'm hungry, motherfucker. But still, I think uh, man, Ring of Honor definitely needs their. Uh, uh, their turn, if you will, uh, on a good TV contract. So hopefully something happens for them. Hopefully they get more uh, exposure. But uh, moving right along to Talking Smack, there was an exclusive with AJ Styles and a Shane confrontation backstage. Guys, I've been I've been sitting at my at, at the edge of my seat, if you will, thinking, okay, it's definitely not going to be Shane. There's going to be something else going to be happening. It's, you know, he's going to say something else. Something else is going to happen. But slowly but surely, it's just <laughs> building to Shane McMahon, and nobody wants to see it. Oh. It's it's. I'm still holding that hope that Shane's oh. going to be like, well, you know what? You can fight Nakamura or some shit like that. And come on, man. You're fucking taking one of the best wrestlers in the world going today, and you're going to put him against Shane McMahon at the biggest show of the year. Your best worker, another guy who's held the championship for, I'm just going to say, six months who carried that WWE championship. And then a few weeks before Mania, he gets <laughs> it goes away, and now he gets stuck with Shane. Like, what What did, what did Kevin Owens and AJ Styles do? Did they, like... Did they punch a baby, or what happened that this is happening right now to us? I feel like, once again, we're stuck in Bizarro World, <laughs> that all this shit is happening. Yeah, the, the, this match could definitely top uh, Omega versus Okada, don't you think? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I gotta say, on paper, I am not excited about this match between Shane and AJ. I, I don't want to see this match, and I'm hoping that they, they pull a rabbit out of the hat, and next thing you know, you got Nakamura backing up Shane. Um, but I, I gotta say, man, I actually kind of enjoyed this uh, little segment they had backstage. I, I don't know, there was something about it that that I, I really liked about it. I mean, Shane genuinely looked pissed off. I mean, Road Dog was pretty funny. Jiminy Christmas, and then I mean, I don't know who says that, but I mean that that made me laugh. But then Shane, he just genuinely looked pissed off. He was throwing headsets at the monitor. I, I don't know something about that. I really liked. I'm I'm not saying that's gonna make me a fan of the match. That segment by itself isn't going to help Shane and his flurry punches in the ring. Nothing is <laughs> nothing is going to help that man. Um, this match will not be as good as the match he had with Kurt Angle a couple of, uh, like in 2001. It's it's just not a match that shouldn't happen. But I, I do got to say I did like that segment. All right, let me ask you this, Mike. What's up? Uh, which, uh, which of, excuse me, which of these two is worse booking Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles or Georgia St. Pierre <laughs> versus your boy there, the Brit. Well, Michael Bisping yeah. isn't my boy. You know, I'm a I love GSP Bisping. guy. I mean, oh, but I, love, I, I, love I, I think the AJ Styles match with Shane McMahon is the worst booking because at least you can get a good build up with drunk Michael Bisping coming to press conference. <laughs> that was hilarious. I mean, he, he came to the press conference hammered and oh, cursing at GSP and GSP isn't a trash talker. So he completely destroyed GSP. I thought it was great, but let, we're going to go back into the world. Tell professional me, wrestling. Tell, tell me something you don't know. What is it that uh, well, you know we could, that I don't? A lot of things. We could talk about MMA 
forever if I really wanted to, but oh, let's God. stick on the professional wrestling side. But I, I do agree that is a better booking option than AJ Styles. Uh, the reason I bring that up, the, the reason <laughs> I bring that up is, is, is honestly, I mean, for as bad of a fight that that is, in my opinion, because, I, you know, it's, it's a horrible fight. But, you know, press conferences like that and, 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 and the build up to that fight makes it watchable. There's nothing about Shane versus AJ that is going to make me say, all right, this could be okay. Well, maybe Shane can come onto an episode of SmackDown hammered. Maybe it might get a little more interesting. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's nuts guys. Cause it's like, you know, last year I figured, you know, him jumping off the, the cage was the last thing he would ever do. You know what I mean? Like that was his little swan song. Okay. Thanks for coming back, Shane. We remember you jumped from high places. Okay. We get it. You lost the end. Goodbye. He didn't have any other match during the year, had nothing else going on, still hasn't had anything going on. And we're still boiling down to this AJ Shane confrontation and I'm still like, why? Why? Like, okay, because, okay, I get that AJ got screwed or something out of his WrestleMania match, but still, it does not equal going against Shane at WrestleMania. Like, and the, I think we said this uh, before, Shane lost last year, AJ lost last year. If we're having this match and end, okay, it's happening, AJ better win or I will just, I'm not going to watch the rest of Mania that night. Whatever match this comes in on at. Uh, could you imagine AJ Styles then losing to Shane McMahon after this buildup? I will. I don't know what I would do. Like, I, I, I have. I would just be so mad. Of <laughs> like, what am I seeing? What happened with this? But could you imagine? It seems that? like the worst scenarios that we could ask for in terms of a WrestleMania card. Lesnar and Goldberg for the title. Or hurt Seth Rollins for a shitty payoff versus Triple H. We now got Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles. These are all terrible things. And the worst things that we could think of that could ever happen on the card are now happening. It's uh, I, I, I have no idea what else to say about this. To where it's just, I know a lot of people are like, oh, stop complaining. Why would you watch it? I, I don't care. I'll tell you what. We're complaining because we love pro wrestling. We love what we see. But what they're giving us, it's like... Are you even listening to the crowds? Are you even listening to what's going on? And, you know, get out of your little script backstage and your little, you know, uh, daytime soap opera writers writing your scripts backstage for you. Just like it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Just listen to the fans' reaction. The fans love AJ Styles. You made him a champion. I can't believe that even happened this year or last year. You know, and now we're coming to the biggest show of the year and we get rid of that. We get rid of all that momentum. And just to have this, I, I'm done with this. I can't talk about this anymore. I mean, let's ugh. let's let's segue because I, I, I want to bring up a, a, something else over here. You know, because Raw is basically dead to me, and SmackDown has, has definitely been the better show. Uh, whether I like some of the matchups or not, you know, it is what it is. But I want to talk about John Cena and Nick Bella in the ring. Can 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 we talk about how awkward Horrible. that look? It was so I mean, bad. John Cena looked like that guy who was like always going out with the guys, right? And then goes and hangs out with his chick when when, when nobody's around, right? <laughs> and then the first time you bring and he's all lovey dovey with her and, and kissing her ass, and then the second you bring her out and introduce her to all the boys, you're not the same to her because you're trying to be like still one of the guys and not yep. Mister Lovey Dovey. He looks so awkward. 
And that's why I love The Miz right now because he's just telling it how it is. It's all like fabrication. Dude, you made your girlfriend sign a 75-page contract. <laughs> like how – was anybody else crying when I when they heard that? I was crying tears of joy. <laughs> Mike, I, you could have dropped the mic right there. <laughs> you know, it, it, I'll tell you what. I think Cena somehow – you know, he knows that his time is done, and as far as, you know, he ain't the, the big fish in the pond anymore. Granted, he still has that caliber of, uh, you know, he's been there, he's he's carried the ball, and that's what we can respect Cena for. Uh, but now he's at that, you know, he's one leg's out the door, he's done with what he's doing. And I think, you know, however somebody pitched this to him, whether it was Nikki, whether it was somebody else, or whether it's his idea, I feel like he's like, if this is one last time to make money or one last time to make big money, it's making like that power couple, like that macho and Elizabeth. But now this time Elizabeth is wrestling. Uh, you know, they're both big names. They both have a big fan base. And, uh, you know, Nikki doesn't have her twin anymore to be the Bella twin. So her gimmick pretty much died. And she's just Nikki now. So Nikki and Cena together, I don't know. I think they see money in that. And I think I could see money in that too. But at the same time, uh, you know. You want to know why this is happening? The Miz said it best on on TV. He said, the reason why this is happening because it's Women's History Month right now. So John Cena needs to get ahead of the month and let people know that he's in a relationship in order to help his brand. (laughs) And, you know, he's probably not wrong. And that's why The Miz is just so funny to me. Because he says, you know, we were never allowed to even mention this relationship on TV until it looked like it might benefit John's pocket. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like you're so right. And I'm like, I hope he got that cleared because you know, (laughs) God damn. And, and you know what? He, he was so nice enough to not drop the mic. He let his wife do it for him. (laughs) Break that bitch. And then drop the mic. And I'm like, Woo. Spitting that hot fire. (laughs) Uh, some of the best stuff, though. Some of the best stuff from the Miz. We're going to talk about that in, later on with the promo. But uh, did you hear what Daniel Bryan said? He hinted at a return to the ring in a year and a half when his contract, I believe, is up. Uh, you, you know, he probably, you know, he's just unhappy. He's doing what he is doing just to stay on TV, maybe just to stay relevant because he still loves the business. But whatever his injury is, you know, I guess it's in his mind, it's not as worse as like. I don't know edges. If you if you do one more thing, you're going to be paralyzed for the rest of your life. I don't, you know, maybe in his mind, it's like you know he could still go. He's just got to like tone it down a little bit. But with WWE, they got to play it safe. They retired him, and I don't know. Do you think he'll just leave and go to like New Japan or something else after this? Do you think? I mean, he doesn't. I don't think he'll care where he goes. I think he's going to probably or probably already has gotten a second opinion someplace else where he probably can wrestle again. But the WV, they just don't want to take that chance of putting him in the ring and something happens again. So they're going to keep him on commentary. They're going to keep him locked in that contract for the next year and a half. He's He can't do nothing else. So that's probably where he's unhappy, where he's like, yeah, I'm going to wrestle in a year and a half. As soon as my contract is up, I'll go to Ring of Honor. I'll go to New Japan. I'll go wherever they want to book me because I know for a fact that I can wrestle. They just don't want me to wrestle. They don't want to take a chance on me anymore. So I'm, I'm sure that's probably the case. Um, and and I tell you, son, right now, if he can wrestle and he got an opinion from a, a valid doctor who says so, that's the WWE's loss right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a big loss. 
That, that, that would make a season of, of Total Bellas real interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, honestly, because if he's not under contract with them anymore and he says go to, uh, goes to New Japan or goes to Ring of Honor or something, will, will they even mention him on that show e- anymore? Uh, that's it for the show. Would he show. even be <laughs> on that television? Would he even be on it anymore? He'll have a. His- you know what I'm saying? Like that. I don't know if they if that would happen because it might ruin his wife's brand. You, you, you know, the, they'll have a stand-in. with that. They'll have a stand-in. They'll bring in Bill Goldberg. <laughs> well, Del, I mean, you know, think about it too. Del Rio was on it, and he left WWE, and so I mean, I know they film it; it's like three months behind, but still, you know, yeah, I, I think it, you know, it, it'll make good TV if it gives them ratings. I guess they'll use it, but at the same time, you know, it'll, you know, Daniel Bryan always is credited as you know changing how they look at independent wrestlers in the WWE. I mean, look at Samoa Joe, look at Kevin Owens. You didn't think these guys would even be hired by WWE, and they have been. The WWE has changed pretty much the landscape of uh, who they get and whatnot for guys like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and whatnot. But now if he leaves, does he set a precedent to where, hey, WWE isn't cool anymore. Let's go wrestle for Ring of Honor. Let's go wrestle for New Japan. And now you just have like the you know these guys who just maybe fed up in WWE and then they just want to leave and now you go take the names that they made in WWE and go somewhere else and it's I, I know you'll probably never crush the machine of WWE but it could hurt the reputation to where like hey I, I want to go see Daniel Bryan at this match I don't care about you know what WWE is doing right now I don't know if somebody gets the right guy and and puts enough money behind a certain company it's it's not impossible i mean fucking wcw did it with a bunch of nobodies from the 80s i mean and and made a whole company it could be done under the right circumstances because if 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 we get more of this shitty booking and part-timers that really at this point i don't think anybody really gives a fuck about especially bill goldberg i mean brock lesnar is always going to be intriguing depending on who you put him up against but I mean, come on now. These booking decisions got to go, and eventually somebody's going to have to say, "All right, enough is enough. Let me try watching something else." Because I really do love professional wrestling. And then, Mike, maybe you'll get your wish, and maybe people will start going outside of the box and watching other shit. Well, I'll tell you, there's there's so many amazing indie promotions that are out there right now, from Evolve to PWG to Rev Pro to ICW. I mean, the list can go on. And, I mean, Dan, a guy like Daniel Bryan, I mean, a, a promotion like Evolve, let's just say, that that's an up-and-coming promotion. They, they need a face for that promotion. I mean, right now, Zack Sabre Jr. is their world champion. But, I mean, they'll, they could bring in a guy like Daniel Bryan. Cody Rhodes has wrestled there. Same thing with PWG. I mean, every professional wrestler has been a part of P- – well, not every professional wrestler, but every – big name superstar right now as like a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn or Neville, they, they've been a part of the PWG brand. So, I mean, there's a lot of options that he can go to. And then with the fans saying, I'm sick of this product, let me try something else. It's, it's more accessible 
for fans to check out these promotions because now you can go to YouTube and evolve. If you're not familiar with their their characters and, and their talent, they put out these amazing mini documentaries to explain who these characters are and what their purpose is and stuff about the brand. And they had this one amazing documentary of Zack Sabre Jr., his road to the title. It was absolutely great. And they make it even easier for people to watch the product because now you could pay a certain amount um, they have Flow Sports, where you can subscribe to Flow Slam, which is their professional wrestling channel, and it's only I think fourteen ninety nine. And you can watch Evolve, you can watch PWG Live, you can watch ICW. So the WWE has to start really putting a lot of thought into how they book their products because yeah, they're the big dog right now. But eventually, the fans are really going to start catching on, and they're going to get sick and tired of it, and they're like, hey. Why are we watching this stuff when we can watch more compelling stories over here? It's not the big production that we're used to, but it's better in-ring performances, better booking. I I mean, sometimes I really, you know, and I'm kind of segueing away from the Daniel Bryan topic, but the WWE, they really got to start thinking before they act. Because, I mean, sometime down the road, I mean, they're not going to be able to have you in the palm of their hands anymore. Uh, that almost circles right back to James Ellsworth because this whole E in the <laughs> WWE, the, the entertainment factor, is is ruining them so, at some to- sometimes. Because I mean, as a wrestling fan, I want to see a good match. I want to see a lot of you know intensity. I don't give a shit about a fucking chinless little turtle on TV because you dragged him off the indies and he had a squash match with Braun Strowman like. That does not. That's not why I'm here. I don't want to see this. Like it was good when he got squashed, and that was that, and they should have let it sit, uh, let it be. But you know, it's like okay, you bring him in just to humiliate him on commentary and whatnot all the time, week in and week out. It's like I'm done with it. I don't want to see James Ellsworth on my TV. I want to see good matches. I want to see fucking Finn Balor on Raw. I want to see somebody step up. You know, Samoa Joe. Good matches. We had Samoa Joe versus Cesaro on Raw. The other week and like come on like that's what we got to get back into like dump these stupid storylines and get back into being that top brand of, for professional wrestling yes we get it you have to entertain the folks and throw some peanuts at them every once in a while but still you're throw penis at them peanuts <laughs> oh peanuts oh i'm sorry wrong, wrong so, sometimes sometimes watching w booking lately i feel like i'm getting a penis or two thrown at me <laughs> see it all comes full circle uh but speaking of that you know finn balor <laughs> that's another one we just mentioned there's almost 14 matches booked for wrestlemania uh granted who knows what's going to be on the pre-show and all that other whatnot but still yeah we're just like what four weeks now five weeks uh no finn balor on raw you know, he's going to be wrestling this weekend at a few house shows in New York City, uh, in White Plains. But still, will he be at Mania? Will they bring him in next week? Uh, what, are they saving him for the night after Raw? I mean, do they – I think right now Mania needs a Finn Balor entrance at, at, at Mania and not a surprise return on Raw. Uh, do you feel the same way? I feel like Mania needs Balor more than, you know, Balor needs Mania. I feel you know like – if, oh, if I'm Balor, I don't want to be on that fucking card. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Like, yeah, I'll wait till the next night to come back because I don't want to be associated with that bullshit car. Get the fuck out of here. If I'm Balor, my price tag goes up if I have to be on that card. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. I mean, they they need Balor on that card. I mean, they have to get something logical for him. 
uh, it would be a very bad decision if they don't have Balor. However, I know they want that dramatic big thing to happen the night before Raw. They can use him the night before Raw. I, I am not for that. I would rather see him in a match where we're ready to see this entrance. I mean, even what you said, Credo, maybe you don't even promote Balor, and all of a sudden he shows up at the end of the Goldberg-Lesnar match. He comes out and he invokes his rematch clause, and he takes the belt that night. That would be a WrestleMania moment. That would would turn the card around completely. It'd make me forget about that whole match we just saw. Exactly. (laughs) Like the the two-minute barn burner that we're going to watch. Our our world title match is going to be two minutes long, and then you get Balor coming out, which his entrance is going to be longer than the actual match and i'm okay with that i really am <laughs> we have a legend coming in the in the room right now guys uh ricky the dragon steamboat is uh making his way onto another wrestling podcast Joining us today is a WWE Hall of Famer. Really, no introduction needed. Ladies and gentlemen, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is joining us live tonight. Uh, Ricky, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. How's it going? Hey, Steve, uh, doing well. Yeah, great. In the uh, in the in the process, in the middle of moving. All right. Yeah, just bought a new. Yeah, just bought a new home. So you know how it is when you're taking all the stuff that you accumulated over the years and boxing it up, and then. <laughs> It's, it's, it never seems to end, right? Sure. And also, happy early birthday to you as well. I know you got a birthday coming up. Uh, I just want to wish you the, the best on that. Wow, you're the second guy that's wished me happy birthday today. Uh, I just had a call from Terry Taylor, Mr. Rooster. Oh, yeah. Me, yeah, it's my birthday tomorrow. I'll be a, a very young 64. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, we're going to tell the fans yeah, coming up where they can see you uh, coming up on March 11th down in Virginia in a few minutes. Before that, uh, let's talk a little bit of wrestling. Uh, you, you once said uh, Andre and Hulk may have sold the show, but Steamboat and Savage stole it. Talking about your, your match at WrestleMania 3. Uh, my question to you, though, is uh, was there ever a match for you growing up that was maybe the equivalent to a, a Steamboat and Savage match of my generation that you either you know always looked at for inspiration or motivation on becoming one of the all-time greats? Well, I'll tell you, I grew up in St. Pete, Florida. And that's where I live now. I went to high school, and I was on the wrestling team. And on Tuesday nights, a couple of us guys, wrestling buddies, we would venture over to Tampa at Fort Hesterly Armory on Tuesday nights mm-hmm. and, and watch, watch uh, Eddie Graham and Boris Malenko and Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch and uh, a very young um, – Oh, God. Uh, Mike Graham, who is uh, Eddie Graham's son. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I wrestled against Mike in high school. Oh, wow. Uh, he, I, think he went, I think he went to Robinson High in Tampa, and I, was, I went to a high school here in Bogusaga. A very young uh, Don Morocco, who at the time was a baby face. You know, I'm going back to the uh, late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. when on Tuesday night we used to just pile into a car to go over there just to, just to razz those guys. Uh-huh. And... Um, not knowing at that time, really, that uh, 
I was going to be a professional wrestler, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I watched um, on Saturday mornings uh, Gordon Soley oh, with yeah. Florida Championship Wrestling. So, you know, um, looking back on hindsight, uh, you know, never knew that it might have been written in the stars for me. That, uh, But I... I I really thoroughly enjoy watching those guys work. I, I'll tell you this: this was my opinion of professional wrestling back then, mm-hmm. and all of all of us too on the on the wrestling teams. We would all say that you know the early matches were, oh God, they were you know they were they were set up, and um, and the finishes were talked about, and then after the intermission, the main events we knew that the main events were straight up, straight up, up, up and up because of the, you know, the, the kicks and the punches and everything was so real, the blood, especially when I was watching Eddie Graham and Boris Malenko having these Russian chain matches and having this chain kicked around their, uh, their fists and pounding each other and, sure. and, and bleeding all over the mat. And we would look at each other and say something like, um, you know how many blood capsules they'd have to have to warrant that much blood <laughs> all over his head and his chest and his belly, you know, and it, yeah. and, it wouldn't, and it's not stopping, right? Yeah. You know, so we always thought that the after the intermission, the main event guys, and we said, we also said because they're the main event, and of course the money that they make as a main eventer is a lot more than the money that the earlier guys are making. So that's why... You know, these guys are for real. Sure. Uh, now, I want to say, too, uh, skipping ahead, uh, your match at WrestleMania 3, as big as, that, as it became, uh, people sometimes forget that it was in front of 93,000 fans. Uh, when you got out there that night, uh, what did it feel like to perform in front of so many people? Because it was it's just a sea of people, pretty much. Well, you know, I've been asked that question a lot, and um, every time it brings me back, when I... When I came out of the curtain, uh, if you remember, they wrote us down on these, these carts. Oh, yeah. Yep. With, you know, with me and uh, George the Animal, God bless him, he just it mm-hmm. passed away of, uh, not too long ago. And I was overwhelmed for a moment there. I said, holy my God, mm-hmm. look at the size of this. And then I caught myself and almost went into a tunnel vision and just, sort of focus on the ring, you know, sure. just, uh, just focused on the ring because it was, it was that overwhelming to me, um, to be on that grand of a stage. And also, you know, and you said it correctly. I, I give credit where credit is due because, uh, you know, Hogan and Andre was, you know, the, the two big headliners, uh, for that night, you know, and, and Randy and I, we, you know, we had our two cents worth. In, in in drawing and selling tickets, uh, they did the angle on with uh, him coming off the top rope with the announcer's bell on my throat, you know. And then we went through a series of me trying to get my voice back, and and the big question was, is the dragon going to be able to wrestle again, you know? And uh, what what made that even um, so interesting to the wrestling fans is that we were able to do that for several weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike, um, and it's, it's one of the things that the, the business has changed. You know, it seems like, you know, we have a pay-per-view every three to four weeks. So, you know, 
when you have a pay-per-view and the guy's headlining, that match is over. And the next, I move on to uh, a new partner or, or a new angle, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, ours, like it, uh, the rope thing, uh, coming off the top rope uh, was like in December. And here it is, you know, what was March 28th or something like that? You know, God, it's three months later. And uh, we're able to, you know, add to it each week about is, is the dragon going to be able to make a comeback, which, you know, we, they don't have that luxury today. Like the way we used to, uh, we had it back then. Sure. Now, now with that crowd too, I mean, you said you had that tunnel vision to the ring, but is there a yeah. kind of, is there a kind of pressure maybe put on you? Uh, cause I mean, just, that's not an everyday kind of a thing. <laughs> you wrestle in front of 93,000 people. Uh, just, I mean, just the, the crowd size, does it, I don't know, does, does it, is an extra kind of pressure to perform well, or do you just kind of block it out as best as you can and, you know, do what you know how to do, you know, and just get in there and wrestle? Well, uh, to be honest with you, it was, uh, I was, uh, totally stre- uh, stressed out. Um, and then it, it multiplied when it popped through the curtain, <laughs> yeah. started the ride down. Was, yeah. And, um, and then I got into tunnel vision. I think that was a way of, uh, for, for the dragon to escape. Sure. And, uh, and then then everything else just took over automatically about focusing on the match. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the match had so many different angles and, and ups and downs. And we wanted to make it a championship match, even though that Hogan's and Andre's was the world championship. And we wanted to make ours, a a championship match. So that's why we had all those false finishes. I mean, the match went less than 17 minutes. I think the total segment with, the ride down and the ride back might have been a little bit over 20 minutes total, but uh, a match that went less than 17 minutes, we had 21 false finishes. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, back at that time, uh, a match would have about six or seven, maybe, you know, eight, you know, mm. false finishes, co- uh, covers where a baby face covers a heel and the heel covers, you know, the, the baby face. But we wanted to make it special. We wanted to make it a championship match and to make it a championship match, it, the, all those false finishes. Uh, I'm trying to beat him for the championship, and Savage is trying to hang on to it. You know, sure. mm-hmm. and uh, that was a story that we told. And and wrestlers tell, you know, afterward, they're, they're the ones that told us, "God, you guys just changed how to make a match." And I said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Man, all those false finishes. You took the crowd on such a a ride up and down. Up, it was tit for tat and back and forth. And and um, and then I find out later on, you know, so many years later." Here, here we coming up uh, WrestleMania and then getting ready to celebrate 30 years mm-hmm. since uh, WrestleMania three. Wow. And everywhere I go, and I'm going somewhere almost every weekend, uh, an appearance or, or or representing the WWE, uh, speaking for the company, and it never fails that they're they're always bringing up talking about that that one night. Definitely. It's definitely going to live forever, if you will. Uh, uh, now, you, you left the WWE. You came back as the Dragon, uh, breathing breathing fire occasionally. Now, I just learned about this yeah. story today, uh, which I think the fans would find amusing. But could you let them know about the time uh, they sent you to get uh, fire-breathing lessons and the incident that followed uh, with your teacher? Oh, yeah. Well, the, uh, the company went to Barnum & Bailey and... Uh, from what I understand, their, their fire breather guy didn't want to teach me or let out the secrets of mm-hmm. really, really how to do it. 
so they found a little, a little one of those little parking lot um, circuses that you see uh, in in Florida. Yep. I was living in the Carolinas. They flew me down and uh, knocked on this little little trailer. And this uh, very light-skinned, red-headed guy, his name was Brian LaPalm, answered. And he was so excited about showing me how to, how to breathe fire. And um, he was a wrestling fan, and he was honored and all that. And so the big top, the, te- the big tent, mm-hmm. was not finished yet. And he says, I want, he was so excited. He says, I want to show you. I want to show you. Let me show you. So he says, I use kerosene. And kerosene uh, lights up with all these different colors. You know, people use, uh, you know, uh, grain alcohol or moonshine or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But that comes out like a white flame. He says kerosene comes out in reds and blues and yellows. So anyway, he's got a, he takes a big gulp out of a cup. He's got a mouthful. Just let me back up. He says, now, when you, whatever you do it outside, Hold your torch and always watch which way the flames are going on your torch. Obviously, you want the flames to be going away from you. That means the wind is coming from your back so that when you blow into the torch, the ball of fire is going to go away. <laughs> and I said, okay. So he fills his mouth up with kerosene, and he's holding the torch up, and he's looking at the wind. And it was pretty gusty. It was pretty gusty that day. Mm-hmm. And just as he puts the torch down to his mouth and blows, the wind shifts, and... He blows out this mouthful of kerosene, and of course, the wind blows the kerosene all over his face. Uh. Is now I'm watching this professional who told me he's been doing it for ten years, running around the parking lot with his face on fire. <laughs> oh my God! He's going, nah, nah, nah. And he's patting his face. He's patting his face. And um, <laughs> the office, uh, the office sent a guy down with me just to oversee everything. And I look at him and I said, you call, I said, you call Vince up and tell him that we are watching a 10-year veteran <laughs> run around the parking lot with his face on fire and that uh, this dragon is not going to be doing this. <laughs> and he's the one, Brian LaPalm, he goes, no, 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 everything's cool. Come on, come on. So we started off with little shot glasses, yeah, just a little burst. And finally the tent got put up and we were able to go inside, more of a controlled environment. And and you know we were, it was showing me, and we ended the day. Came back the next morning, knocked on his little trailer, and he shows up. He opens the door up, and he's got all these water blister bubbles all oh. over his face. <laughs> and I mean, uh, I scared the heck. I said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and he was, "Oh no, no! I just, I just, you know, I just wanted to keep him to show you. It's just as a little joke thing, you know." And, <laughs> and he took him and he started popping them on his face. <laughs> And then we went into the big top, and I worked my way up to where I could do a mouthful yeah. of kerosene. Yeah. Well, that, uh, I mean, that was just a great story. I mean, your first day to learn from a guy, and that's what happens. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and he's the pro, and he's running around with his face on fire. He burned off his eyebrows, <laughs> you know, uh, the front hairline of his hair. Now, this is a fair-skinned guy with freckles, redhead, light skin. And the next day, I mean, it looked like he's been underneath the sun lamp in his face for a day. <laughs> now uh you've done uh, some clinics around the country uh most recently too up here in our, our area for northeast wrestling uh at your age now yeah. how does how does it feel to give back to teaching the superstars of tomorrow do you like being able to train and just show uh, the students 
You know, I, uh, I, I really do. It's, it's, it's one of a, uh, the ways of giving back, passing the torch. I, I reminisce and remember how old timers were teaching me. And it's, you know, I can't do a whole lot of physicality in the ring, and it's only because I had an incident about six years ago to which I ended up with a brain bleed. I was thrown down too hard, and my noggin bounced off the, off the mat, and um, I ended up with, with what they call a subbar acnoid hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, my doctor told me, basically, he said, the left side of your brain tried to separate from the right side, and your connecting blood vessels got torn apart. So your bleed... Unlike um, other aneurysms, which are usually on the surface, you know, if you hit your head on the windshield or get hit in a noggin with a, you know, with a pipe or something, it's usually on the surface, and they'll drill a little hole in the skull to relieve the blood and relieve the pressure. He said, the problem that I have is, is mine's down inside my brain, down in the brain. He says there's no way of getting to it, and, and drilling a hole is not going to relieve any blood. It, it's got to stop on its own. And I said, well, what if, what if it doesn't? He said, well, let me tell you, the fatality rate with your kind of injury is 60%. Wow. Six out of 10 don't make it. Yeah. And it's the same kind it's the same kind of brain injury that killed Dale Earnhardt Sr. at Daytona that year. Mm-hmm. He said, That's, you've got that. So I had to wait it out. I was, almost, I was in the intensive care for almost a month. And, you know, God being on my side, uh, it stopped the bleed. It's done a terrible thing for my memory, sure. especially the short term. But everybody says, uh, you know, that comes with age. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, uh, but getting back to teaching, I am. Uh, I usually pick out a one or two guys in the in the class that are um, pretty experienced, you know, and they know what I'm talking about, and, and usually do a lot of demonstration. But I, t- I don't, I don't want. I try to tell the promotions uh, the up front. I said, I'm not there to teach these guys how to take bumps, mm. you know, body slams or suplexes or head scissors or any of that kind of stuff. I, sure. said, I want to teach these guys. I want to teach these guys the rhyme and reason of why a match has a storyline to it. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you tell a story in the, in the match and uh, the psychology part of it and why you do what you do when you do what you do? Why, why do you do this at the beginning and not, you know, not at the end and, and so forth and so on, and, and, and try to teach them that when you tie it all together, and I, the expression I use is connect the dots, at the end of the day, at the end of the match, you have told a story to which everybody that's watching can understand what went on so that they understand winner and loser. You know, good sure. guy, bad guy, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I've always been the one that didn't matter to me who won, who won in my matches. If I got my Duke raised or the heel that didn't matter to me. My focus was to get, to get the match over because I feel that when the fans go home and they're riding in their car and they're talking about whoever they're talking about, the wrestler, it's not so much that so-and-so won. It's more about the match and what took place and the things that happened in the match. You know, that's what they talk about. And if you can get the match over, you know, it really doesn't matter um, in our, I think in our business, the wins and losses, you know, as long as the people go home talking about what a freaking match that was, my God, you see those two guys. Oh my God. You know? <laughs> yep. That was always my goal. And I try to pass that along, you know, because there, you know, some guys uh, get disgruntled 
when they uh, said, oh, my, I got I to gotta put him over. You know, they don't worry about that. <laughs> Get the match over. Yep. Because at, at the end of the day, when you come back the next time in front of these fans, that they know that you went out there and you thoroughly entertained them. And they know that they just love to watch you work in the ring. It doesn't matter, you know. Win loss. I couldn't tell you my win loss record. <laughs> sure, yeah. I probably lost. You know, I, you know, I've had some great moments, but you know, I've had over six thousand matches throughout my career. Oh yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't tell you if it was five thousand to two thousand or <laughs> five thousand to one thousand. I couldn't tell you. Sure. It didn't matter. <laughs> now, uh, as a vet of the business, do you like how progress, uh, how wrestling has progressed through the years, uh, especially the ones on TV now? Or you know, uh, did, did you ever basically imagine how big it would ever become back when you were wrestling? You know, when uh, at the you know at the very first WrestleMania, um, my personal feeling, you know, at Madison Square Garden, and um, the special guests that were there, that Vince had something that was big. Um, I didn't, I didn't, none of us knew at the time how it was going to grow into what it is today. And it's a global company, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, over a hundred countries or 150 countries watch WWE. You know, it's, it's a mega wrestling production. Um, I didn't know back then, but I, I had a feeling that something big's happening here that is, you know, way out of the box, uh, from what, I was so used to um, in territorial wrestling, you know, little studios, 50 people, you know, and you do your thing and then you go out and you go to these towns, Monday night town, Tuesday night town, and then come back the next week, Monday night town, Tuesday, you know, same towns, you know, mm-hmm. um, that was a major difference, almost a culture shock, you know, but sure. not knowing that it, how it was, it grows uh, by leaps and bounds the way it is today. Sure. Uh, now, I, I know you're a busy guy. Uh, we just have uh, a few fan questions for you. One coming from uh, Ryan Stewart uh, in Poughkeepsie. He's asking, you worked with Paul Jones. A lot of younger fans don't know about him. Uh, can you maybe tell right. us about him as a wrestler and a manager uh, working with him? Well, you know, Paul, his, uh, he came along. Um, his... Uh, his era was before mine and uh, I'm going to say probably the last five years of his career uh, or eight years of his career, you know, was the last part. Um, so he was brought up old school. He was very good in telling a story. He was very good in, in being a salesman out there. Most of the time that when I knew him, he was a baby face and we were actually tag team partners at one time and he turned heel against me. And uh, which really got over, uh, making him a heel. And uh, he had a great mind for the business, you know, good psychology. And he could sell his ass off in the ring, you know, when, when the heel's really getting some heat on him. Um, wasn't the biggest of guys, you know, maybe five foot nine-ish, ten-ish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, could, could really work. You know, I was, you know one, one of the best workers in the, in the Mid-Atlantic region. 
Sure. Now, uh, also, we have a question from Rick Malvey in Fishkill, New York. He's asking, uh, when you wrestled Jericho at WrestleMania, he says not only were your your famous uh, snap hip tosses on point, but you still very much had it. Uh, uh, now, he's saying your career could have also went another 10 years uh, as a solid worker, but why did you leave so quickly pretty much after uh, his feud with Stunning Steve and WCW? Um. Oh, that was back in the early 90s, well, 94-ish with WCW. I herniated a disc in my back between the L4 and L5. And um, I'd uh, I'd put in 20 years, and I just, and and, and to be truthful to to everybody out there listening, um, you know, when you're an athlete, one of the first things that go that you know that slow down and don't recover like maybe other other parts of your body does is, is your legs and i started to feel that you know as i was getting into my 40s and um and then when i herniated a disc in, in my back and uh, i went through three months of rehab in a swimming pool you know i i, I felt you know I, what i wanted to avoid was a rupture and so I said, you know, 20 years in and financially I was set up. Okay. You know, I wasn't the, the richest guy in the world, but you know, I, I had planned for the future and, uh, I just felt it was, it was, it was a good time. Uh, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. You know, like, uh, Ricky, Ricky Steamboat having his retirement match. And, mm-hmm. Or I certainly, I certainly did not want to, uh, keep going which you see a lot of the wrestlers that come back after so many years and they are just a, a fraction of what you remember them by, you know, in the ring. And I didn't want fans to say to me, uh, you know, Ricky, maybe you should have stayed out. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, but even with that performance with Jericho and, uh, you know, with me, Snooker and Piper and God bless both those guys who have passed. Um, I was, I was, pretty much hands-on training at, at, at the, uh, the WWE school. So I was in the, I was one of the few guys, one of the few trainers that could go one-on-one in the ring at any time or any day, you know? So I stayed pretty active ring wise. Um, and then when I, and then after that match at WrestleMania, I think it was WrestleMania 25, you know, Vince came to me and said, look, uh, you really surprised everybody out there about, you can still, he said, you old fart, you still got it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm going to put you in a match with uh, one-on-one with Jericho. And that was uh, the next pay-per-view. I think it was like three weeks later at Backlash. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were able to go out there and go almost 20 minutes. And, and, uh, and it, you know, Steven, from there, um, the match, that, that took the match of me and Jericho. We went overseas and we wrestled through Japan and Hawaii. We came back to the States, we, and the, the crew was then going through the Mid-Atlantic region, through the Carolinas and Virginia and, and uh, Georgia, and I was wrestling Jericho every night. So that one match ended up maybe another 20 or 25 matches. Wow. You know, it was like we, I was back on the road again. Here I am in my mid-60s, and I'm back working every single night, <laughs> and, uh, and God bless Chris Jericho really taking care of me and uh, what a prince of a man, you nice. know. But yeah, 
feeding me for those arm drags and, uh, <laughs> and allowing me to, to get up in the air like I used to when I was younger. And, and the fans just, uh, that's all they wanted to see, you know. Sure. <laughs> just do some Ricky Steve stuff. And, uh, you know, that's it was right. well worth the ticket. Oh, definitely. Uh, and the last question we have from Randy Hammond. Uh, he's asking, you know, many wrestling fans consider your match with Macho Man uh, at WrestleMania 3 to be one of the best matches of all time. But do you think that is your best match? And if not, uh, what is? Well, you know, I'm also asked that question a lot. Um, that match was one of my best matches. Uh, and I'll tell you, as you would know, Steve, back in the day, a lot of times, when two guys get in the ring, they don't even know the finish. Yep. And the rest of the matches, you feel it, you call it, right? Mm-hmm. On the fly, for the moment. You know, but Randy, we, we knew the scope of this was going to be big because we kept hearing numbers coming in, you know, like 50,000 tickets sold at the Silverdome, 75,000 tickets, 80,000, 90,000, you know. You said, oh, my God. And then the buy rate, you know, the people, you know, buying in for, you know, the pay-per-view and, and – and so we had the idea, hey, to, hey, you know, tip our hats to Hogan and Andre, you know, but, you know, we're going to go out there and steal it. You know, with that many people watching, let's let's really go out there and make a statement. So uh, putting together something like that with 21 false finishes and trying to remember all 21, that's, that's what I was talking about earlier, about being so stressed, mm-hmm. trying to remember 21 false finishes. My goodness, you know. <laughs> yep. and, you know, what's next? What's next? Oh, yeah, okay, what's next? Okay, and then back and forth. And Savage and I, and you couldn't even tell when you watch, but yeah. we were feeding each other on what was coming up next. He would throw out a, three or four words, and my light bulb would click. And then I would throw out three or four words, and his light bulb would click. And, and through that whole match, we just kept relaying back and forth, make sure that both of us are on the same page, that he's not going to try and do something over here, and I'm going to be trying to do something different. Next thing you know, you got two guys that, doing something totally different and and what happens they get hurt yep so we were on the same page throughout that whole match at, uh, and i'll tell you something too mm-hmm. real quick um i was so relieved when it was over i was so relieved i remember like it was yesterday going through the matches and going through the false finishes and like okay that's 12 that's number 15 that's number 18 Three, you know, three more to go, you know, 19, 20, 21, and then the finish, right? Uh-huh. I was just, it was, it was such a relief, you know, it's almost like I looked up at God and I said, oh, it's <laughs> over. It is finally done. You know? I've had, um, the answer the, you know, the fast question, I've had some real favorite matches when I was teamed up with Jay Youngboy as a tag team there in the Carolinas. What a tag team we were, we were. And I have gone on public on saying this, that uh, the five years that we were together as a tag team was probably the most fun time. You know, you always try to make your work enjoyable. Sure. And, uh, and, and also sprinkle in a lot of seriousness uh, so that the fans can get the story. But it, it was so relaxed and so fun. You know, we worked with Jack and Jerry, the Briscoe brothers, Sergeant Slaughter, and, you know, uh, his protege kid under, under his wing, uh, Don Canoodle. That was, that was so much fun. I mean, yeah. it, it was one of those types of jobs in which you get up in the morning and you are so happy to, to be going to work. 
Definitely, definitely, definitely a magical match. Magic was made that night. Uh, now, for Saturday, March 11th, Classic Pro Wrestling presents Saturday Night Slam, where all the proceeds will go towards the Special Olympics. Uh, you and your son, Richie, will be at the West Point High School in West Point, Virginia, along with the Rock and Roll Express, Magnum TA, Axe, Tito Santana, David Hebner, and so many more. Uh, what can you tell your fans that are coming out there to see you on March 11th, uh, who maybe who have never met you before? Uh, any, any words for the fans coming out there? Well, you know, uh, what an opportunity for fans to uh, get a picture and get an autograph uh, with maybe some of the superstars that they heard about. And, and, and then that you can, you know, they, they go on the website and, and, and watch matches of them. But now you get to meet the person in real life. Uh, you know, opportunities like this don't come around a lot, you know, uh, and, and it's just going to be a one night affair out of which you get all these guys that big names and you know even even Hedner, the referee uh, for my match you know at uh, with randy savage so um you know it, what, what can you say about being able to come out and see some of these um, guys that really laid a lot of groundwork to uh, for the future stars of today you know i've i've gone on record on saying that during that time in the 80s and 90s that was sort of a golden era of our sport, you know, um, a lot of big names came out of that in which we laid a lot of groundwork, uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears for, uh, for these guys today. Definitely. And, uh, this is a great opportunity for these fans to come out and shake hands and, and talk and, and, uh, and get, get a picture with a, with somebody that you thought was, that you might've just watched on, um, on YouTube, you know, <laughs> yep. that's 20 years ago. And then you actually get to meet the guy. That's right. Uh, well, yeah. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for joining us. The, I know the fans can't wait to meet you on March 11th. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, you know we wish you nothing but the best. You know, let me say real quick. You know, um, we campaigned in that. Uh, I understand that uh, West Point, Virginia, is not too far from Richmond. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember going to Richmond, Virginia, at the Coliseum there on Friday night, and wrestling there in front of those uh, Virginia fans, and and. And uh, Richmond and Norfolk and Hampton, you know, the, the, that part of the uh, uh, the country, those fans are really always very good to us. And I will venture to say that I will have some fans that uh, back in the day remember watching me live, and now they come back and see me again. Well, definitely, definitely going to be uh, a night uh, nobody should miss, and especially with all the proceeds yeah. going towards the Special Olympics, uh, you, you can't yeah. you can't beat out on this night. So, uh, Ricky, uh, the Dragon Steamboat, thank you so much once again. Uh, we really appreciate it. All right, Steve, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been fun. Today's show is brought to you by this is your Olympic hero Kurt Angle, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast in association with CelebVM. Order a personal video message from me and many other wrestlers and celebrities now. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Get a personal video message for yourself or as a gift for someone else. For personal connections, shout-outs, birthdays, proposals, weddings, and much more. Enter your details about yourself so the celebrity can record a personal video message especially for you, including details such as your name, age, birthday, hobbies, or whatever else you include. 
As soon as the video has been recorded, you'll get an email with your link so you can share it on social media or download and keep it. Celebrities record videos as and when they can, usually within two weeks. But if you want a video for a specific date and it does not look like it will arrive in time, you can cancel it and get an instant refund at the click of a button. There are hundreds of celebrities to choose from and many more joining every day. Search by category or genre, buy a gift voucher, get updates and offers, and encourage your favorite celebrities to join so they can connect with fans in a fun and unique way, raise money for their charities, and much more. So order your video now for yourself or for someone else. Celebrity Video Messages and Another Wrestling Podcast team up. Be sure to head on over to CelebVM.com slash AWP. Promo of the Week. Let's talk about last, uh, last, last week on, on SmackDown Live. He claimed that I steal my personality from people. I steal moves. I steal this. I steal that. I don't know who I am. But you can make that claim about anybody. Any superstar. I can do it about John Cena right now. You know, when John Cena first came to WWE, he stole his personality from every white kid with an identity crisis in the 90s. He was a cross between Marky Mark and, and Vanilla Ice. But wait, there's more. The attitude adjustment used to be called the Death Valley Driver, but John Cena stole it from Tommy Dreamer. <gasps> John Cena would steal a move from someone? But wait, there's more. He stole his girlfriend from Dolph Ziggler. <gasps> what? No, not our hero, John Cena. He wouldn't do that. But wait, there's more. He stole his last t-shirt design from a beer company. But you know what? We applaud Cena. We love Cena because John Cena is that good old guy. But the fact is, he takes shots at me. That match that he created with that mixed tag match, he did it because of me. You know it and I know it. He is jealous of my relationship. He is jealous of all the talent that I possess. And, and you look at me and I know what you're thinking. Oh, come on, Miz. It's John Cena. But that's the problem. Everyone just looks at John Cena in, in the backstage and, and in the audience and just go, it's John Cena. He can do what he wants. Like during the draft. I mean, John Cena probably called you up and said, listen, uh, Daniel Bryan, I'm probably not going to be around for six months. But uh, listen, I want you to draft me to SmackDown Live and I don't want to be number one. Make me like around number three because number one i'd have to be there every day but i'm not going to be there because i'm going to be the part-timer that i am so don't worry about me because i'm sick of it i am so sick of it daniel and you know it you wait, know wait what what do i know because i know for sure he did not tell me to draft him at number five. Oh, oh he didn't no he didn't oh, okay he, he probably just told you, right? No. He probably said, listen, this is no, what's going to happen. Nobody this told is me. what's going to happen now. Do you, do you know what because I know? John Cena wants this, and John Cena gets what he wants because I'm controlling egomaniac, and that's what I do. Okay, I have a question. Wait, no, wait, just a second. Do you know what I know? When we put John Cena's name on a headline, more people come to the show. When I put Miz... Because it, everyone the, believes in his crap. It's all crap. What John Cena says is crap. It's easy to sit there and say, never give up when you're, you're, when you first come to WWE and The Undertaker shakes your hand and you got, you got Kurt Angle going up against him saying, this kid's a good hand. This kid's going to be pretty good. He's going to be pretty solid. But imagine coming to WWE and everyone telling you that you're no good, that in three months you're going to be gone. 
Uh, once again, it seems to be a running, you know, uh, tradition right now for Talking Smack, a Ms. A Ms. Pipe Bomb promo, if you will. Uh, you know, it, it's nice that they're letting him do this on Talking Smack. It's a shame they won't let him be nearly this uh, vile on regular SmackDown. But, guys, I mean, obviously they don't hate him for this. Obviously, you know, he's not getting fired for it. You know, it's not that big of a deal, but it is a big of a deal in the, the ears of fans like us because we kind of know what's happening backstage uh, than the casual fan. So what he's saying is like you're saying, you know, spitting that fire. We know, like it's like, oh, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty crazy that they're letting him say this kind of stuff. So uh, all in all, I mean, it's a running trend right now with the Miz. I'm talking smack. I mean, always dropping bombs with uh, Daniel Bryan and whatnot. But I mean, what what is it, what's the payoff for this? I mean, okay, he goes against Mania, goes against Cena, and if they win. I don't. I mean, what happens after that? Like, what is there a payoff to all all this talking smack, if you will? I love it. I I, I think every time the Miz is on talking smack, or every time the Miz has a microphone in his hands, I'm fully engaged and paying attention because that guy is brilliant. He's speaking right now for everybody that's been frustrated with john cena whether it's the guys in the back whether it's the fans whether it's jtg whether it's alex riley two guys that cena allegedly got fired i mean he's really speaking the truth i mean he's telling you that oh john cena says that i ripped off my ideas well let's just go back he ripped off the ideas of every white boy in the 90s who had an identity crisis facts Oh, let's see what else he did. He ripped off, you know, his T-shirt idea from a beer company. Facts. Like, I mean, The Miz is just brilliant. Like, he's taking this match that I had zero interest in when I first heard about it, and he he's making me interested in this match. Like, granted, we 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 spoke earlier about how the chemistry in ring with John Cena and Nikki Bella isn't good. But I'm still interested in this match simply because of the Miz. He's just brilliant, what he's saying. The thing that interests me about this match more than anything right now is what kind of in-ring shape is Maurice? Has she been working? I mean, this could really be a stinker because, I mean, there has to be a a point where Nikki and Maurice get in the ring if this is going to be some type of mixed tag match. And, And more importantly, they have to win. Maurice and the Miz have to win because... If, if we get to a point where John Cena and Nikki Bella win this match, and John Cena's going after WrestleMania, then what was the point? Let's get let's get some heat on on the Miz. Uh, another guy goes over on Cena, build him up a little bit, and you you got another potential contender for uh, I don't know Bray or Randy Orton. I mean, I'll say gonna... this though. I'll, I'll say this: if, if the WWE is booking this for Miz and Maurice to win, they're not going to have the Miz pinning Cena. They're going to have Maurice pinning Nikki Bella to win the match. You think so? Yeah, I don't. I don't. And you know, I would love. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see the Miz pin John Cena. But when you when you think when you get inside the brain of Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn, they're going to want to see their golden boy stay strong even in a losing situation. So they're going to have Maurice probably pin Nikki Bella, which it, it's shitty to even think about. But, I mean, that that's how it probably would go down. Yeah, but if that's the case, then you're making somebody who's going to be on the roster who's supposed to be another top name because Nikki Bella's no slouch. 
I mean, she is the John Cena of the women's division. Let's on SmackDown over there. Let's be honest. Apparently, apparently, the rumor mill is saying that this is her last match. She's planning on retiring either at Mania or the the pay per view after Mania. They, she's pretty much down to the wire. Oh no, shit. Yeah, well, maybe my prayers are being answered then. Thank God. Yeah, you know it's, you know it's been like I said, it's been a little running tradition on Talking Smack for all these Miz promos. So I really hope though, at the end of by the end of this year, would you guys like to see the Miz as a WWE champion again? I wouldn't be opposed to it. I really wouldn't be opposed to it because the guy has been busting his ass. He's putting in that mic work. He's getting. He gets better. Every time you see him in the ring, he's he's evolved where most guys have stayed stagnant and they have just stayed with their same old bullshit, their same old sets. He's he's constantly changing. He changes with the times. He, you know, it's funny. You compared him to Chris Jericho last week, or John Cena did rather, and in a certain way, he is right because every time Jericho would come back, he reinvents himself, and The Miz has really done the exact same thing. I mean, it'd be it'd be interesting. I'd love to see like for this just for talking, just to get the title, just for just for reinventing himself a little bit, and just you know, recreating the Miz. If you asked me this question two years ago, two or three years ago, I would have said absolutely not. That's that's like the worst decision you can have. That Miz era with the title was horrible. Now fast forward to today, and you ask me that question, I'm going to be all about it. Like, yeah, give that man the title. He's earned it. He's improved in the ring, in my opinion. And that guy can cut a promo like none other. I think on SmackDown, he is the best guy on the mic. So, yeah, I would love to see a title run with him. I think he could take that title, and he could be that hated heel like a Ric Flair in the 70s. Uh, he's he's amazing. Oh, sorry, no pun intended. He's awesome (laughs) all right ladies and gentlemen let's talk about the must-see matches of the week uh the last few weeks i've been picking the match that i thought was the best out of the four wwe shows i'm gonna try something a little bit different this week so i'm gonna say what match i picked and mike and credo i want you guys to either agree with me or disagree with me if you felt that it was the best match Mm -hmm. on that particular show so for raw I'm saying the cruiserweight division is on point. It's the only reason to watch Raw, which is why I picked Richwan versus Neville. Credo, agree or disagree? Uh, I definitely agree. I'm definitely loving what Neville's doing and uh, how he's helping this uh, division out. So I- I'll agree with you on that one, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they they need to get rid of the purple ropes. That's the only thing. I mean, every time I, I see the purple ropes, I think of that Prince song, Purple Rain. And <laughs> it just, it kind of takes, it, well, it used to take away. But the match that Neville and Jack Gallagher had on Fastlane was the match of the night, in my opinion, on a shitty card. And then the match that Rich Swan and Neville had on Raw was the, the match of the night. Yeah, yeah the, man. the cruiserweight. Incredible. The cruiserweight division is stepping up, and now with the addition of Austin Aries, we're going to get some good wrestling with the guys who wrestle in between the purple ropes. I mean, it's it's going to be some good shit coming in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that roster is is ever getting better and better every week. I mean, some of these bums that we've had on, you know, just as jobbers are, are going to slowly but surely disappear. I mean, I even love Noam Dar. 
I think that guy is absolutely hilarious. Alicia Fox. I mean, and and you know something about Noam Dar? He's another guy. You have not got to see the potential he has in the ring. I mean, he was a big-time player in ICW, big-time player in the indie scene. I mean, that guy can wrestle, and they haven't let him get to that level of wrestling just yet. And when he does, you guys are going to be mind-blown. All right, so for SmackDown, the must-see match is AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Credo, agree or disagree? Uh, I, I I disagree with that one. Uh, you know, AJ Styles pulled off some awesome matches with John Cena uh, on SmackDown, but Randy Orton, this match, I thought it needed more. It was to decide the number one contender going into Mania, and Orton got the clean win. I thought there needed to be more controversy, especially leading up to the bullshit match of AJ Styles and Shane McMahon. I was expecting some more of, uh, you know, somebody coming out to ring the bell or something to just fire up AJ even more. And I, I think it fell flat in my opinion. Come on. You're telling me you didn't like the big hog, James Ellsworth versus John Cena, Nikki Bella. Yeah, really? I mean, come no, on, that, that match was horrible. I, 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 <laughs> I agree with you, man. I, I actually loved that match. Um, truthfully, both guys, you could throw each guy in the ring with a broomstick and they could put on a match of the night. I mean, Randy is just so natural what he does. And AJ's ring psychology is just amazing. I mean, that fake out he did with the phenomenal forearm. And then when Randy went for the RKO and he faked it, I mean, that was brilliant booking right there with how they pulled that one off. I mean, it was a clean finish. I, I agree with Credo. I mean, I wish yeah. there was some controversy in a way, but it still was an entertaining match. Yeah, I, I don't understand the whole clean win thing. But you know, you know what's funny is is when we go, go in situations where, oh man, another match that that wasn't a clean finish. Like we we need a we bitch yeah. either way. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Is really what I want to say. Uh, as long as long as we didn't get the dusty finish. Oh, God, yeah. All right. All right. So 205 Live, just because I had to. I mean, there were three matches on that card that night, but I I had to go Austin Aries, Tony Nese. Just a nice contrast of styles. And, of course, Austin Aries is just so much fun to watch. The the, the only thing is I wish he would have had that match on Raw because that – that Chicago crowd was so hot for him, and the next night in Indianapolis, it was just dead. Mm. So I mean, it, you didn't really get the same fan reaction, which was was for his return on Raw was perfect for that. Credo so, agree or disagree? Was this the match of the night for 205 Live? Well, I'll say agree because honestly, this is the match that actually made me watch 205 Live again. Uh, now, d- hear me out because you know a lot of the guys on there are great, uh, but I feel like I've seen them. Over and over and over and over and over from Raw to 205. You know, like I've seen them do every which which possibility of matchup they could possibly do with these guys. And I've just been like, eh, I've seen them. I don't really need to tune in anymore. Bringing names in like Neville and Austin Aries to tune up this cruiserweight division to be, you know, on par with, you know, like the X division was years ago or, or whatnot to where, you know, it's not a step down. I think it's just. Guys who fit in this class a lot better, and having Austin Aries there, especially going against guys like Tony Nese, 
that's the kind of cruiserweight matches I want to see. I'm over, you know, the little Gallagher dude, and, you know, I'm over Gingers in general. Just, no. <laughs> I'm just, you know, bringing Austin Aries, though, I'm so happy to see him back, and just in time for WrestleMania. So this definitely made me want to see 205 Live again, so. You know, I was a little disappointed I didn't get to see a thumb in the eye. I, you know, I really wanted to see that, say that too, but I, I think that's best saved for Neville at Mania. That thumb yeah. to the eye will get no, over I, that crowd way better. I agree with that. I was just watching the entire match, waiting for the thumb to the eye. Yeah, <laughs> but like, like Credo said, I mean that that match, getting to see Austin Aries wrestle again, that's what got me to tune into Two Hundred Five Live. I mean, I watch Two Hundred Five Live regardless. But I, I'm not as engaged and locked into it as I, I was when Aries was on the TV because Aries is just amazing in the ring. And, and just to see his name in that division, it gives it a little more credibility. And I just imagine him versus Neville at WrestleMania. Please, Vince, give these guys at least 20 minutes. Please. Because you know, these I- guys deserve it. I would love to see this just be separated from Raw and and get away from SmackDown. I, I would love for this to be a two hour show. I really would, because I well, think they have. I think the roster needs to build a little bit more and get more talent on there to sustain that type of show. Even if it was ninety minutes, they need to go to a place like Full Sail University to film this show. They have to get away from the mainstream crowds because a lot of those fans. A lot. Let's face it. A lot of the fans that go to the shows, they're not the hardcore fans. They they don't watch anything that doesn't have John Cena's name on it or a guy that they don't that they know is on it. So when you're putting them on right after SmackDown, you, these fans that aren't like you know as into it as most fans, they're tired. I mean, they have to go through a f- taping of main event, then two hours of SmackDown, and then they have to sit through the. 205 live it's you're not going to get the same reaction from that crowd that you would a full sale university crowd i mean I, i've been the full sale live i got the experience that that crowd needs 205 live i agree with you on that one definitely for sure definitely needs to escape that last minute of uh you know that last hour of smackdown or whatever just because you know the, the crowd's dead you know you, you're gonna put them on last everybody wants to go home and you know yeah it, it needs that that close uh crowd like a uh, full sale down there so uh, i think that would be a lifesaver for them for that one and, and i think i gotta say this at least the crowds are see are, are starting to stay because i remember that first couple of weeks you know after smackdown those crowds would clear out now they're starting to stick around a little bit more so that that's always a good thing all right last but not least nxt of course of course how could we not pick the main event tj perkins and Shinsuke Nakamura. I didn't even know that this was advertised. And when I tuned in and saw this at the top of the show, I went, holy shit. Because as much as I make fun of TJ Perkins for his inability to talk in a microphone, his in-ring style is amazing. And him versus Nakamura, they, they, they did a little bit of that mixed martial arts work, Mike. I mean, they tried to make it look a little different. I liked it. I mean... Nakamura has a background in MMA. He's fought before. Um, so him going in there and, and throwing some leg kicks like that and doing all that, I, I actually enjoyed this match. I really did. And, and TJ was actually very good in the match as well. 
Credo, you had to have told me this was this was your pick. No, uh, that this is I'm gonna have to say it not just to get on the train, but uh, you know, I'm glad to see Nakamura back, but I'm kind of disappointed to see him back in NXT. Uh, I really want to see him move up ASAP just to save WrestleMania, but that's another story. Having these two go at it, uh, you know, I think was perfect for a return match for him. Uh, and down in NXT, I mean, you know, I loved it. You know, I, I I come to the conclusion that when people say moving up, like with everything going on in the main <laughs> roster right now, yep. moving up is like in our terms is just staying at NXT. <laughs> remember, remember that episode or not that episode? Remember the Billy Madison when the kid was like, "I can't wait to go to first grade." <laughs> yeah. like, Don't you ever leave? <laughs> Stay here forever. Forever. Exactly. Like, that's exactly how I feel about the NXT talent right now. Just stay. You, there's no rush. You don't have to go. Just stay here and and just have fun. That's why Ty Dillinger stayed after the Royal Rumble. He's like, ah, you know what? Maybe not so much. I know that you was know the what? only time that I'm going to get a pop in, in a WWE crowd is at the Rumble. So, yeah. <laughs> Since you bring up Ty Dillinger, I do have to say that I think it's – It'd be the worst decision to move Ty Dillinger up anytime soon because right now, besides Nakamura, Ty Dillinger is the biggest draw on that NXT roster right now. I mean, that show up in Albany, that's all the people wanted to see. They didn't I'll say this right now, Ty Dillinger had a bigger pop in Albany than Sensei Nakamura did. That's how into the to this guy the fans are. They have to build up an epic story to put the title on him, to have him hold down that brand while guys like Nakamura get moved up. And you're going to have other guys that are going to be moved up too. They they really need Ty Dillinger down there. He does not need to go up to the main roster anytime soon. I mean, he deserves it, don't get me wrong. But I think you could do big things if you keep Ty Dillinger on the NXT brand right now. And then Credo gets his wish because he's always been complaining. No, 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 no. Honestly. He's always been complaining that a homemade WWE yes. guy yes. has not held that NXT title for quite some time. So yeah, that would be really that. cool to see. Somebody who trained in the Performance Center, was born in a Performance Center, that would be fantastic. Exactly. I think that's what they need. I know I like the little tease at the Rumble, but still, uh, he, he definitely should at least stay down there for another year. Uh, just to at least get the championship, uh, at least I, there's no rush for him because, like I said, there's, you already have a, you know the talent pool full. You know you don't need Ty Dillinger doesn't really fit into anywhere anything going on right now, and it just it's too crowded. Uh, stay down in NXT, you'll be moving up. Just you know hang around for a little bit. Uh, but guys, we're on that road to WrestleMania. Uh, we've been talking about some of the main matchups that are happening. And now that this is kind of more official now than ever, might as well talk about The Undertaker versus Roman Reigns. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we, we, we had the fallout, uh, you know, at... Fastlane, you know, he, he killed Braun Strowman's thunder. Braun Strowman came out on Raw. Uh, Undertaker came out. Braun Strowman, you know, backed up, got out of the way, and out came Roman Reigns. Now, Ugh. now that justifies a, a match with Undertaker since they both looked at the sign 
And uh, here we are. Undertaker versus Roman Reigns. Guys, uh, is this the last match we're going to see for The Undertaker? I mean, I feel like we've been saying this for years, but what else could he give that he hasn't given yet? And, man, I I mean, if this isn't the last match, it has to be the second-to-last match. Or unless he told him that he can go for another year, that's why we're getting Roman Reigns right now. I don't know. But man, Roman Reigns, Undertaker, could we see twenty-one and two? I think the best thing to do, and a lot of people are probably going to give me heat for this. I, I think the best booking option is for Roman to go over. Now, hear me out on this. Uh, the reason why is because you've built Roman up to be like this unstoppable force, like the Super Cena character, and then you got. The Undertaker, who just had a hip surgery, hip replacement, whatever old people get. And then he's, (laughs) was he 54 years old right now? Or 54, 53? It might be a little younger than that, but he's past his prime. If if you had Roman versus Taker from the Attitude Era, then it's going to be Taker all the way. But I just won't, I, I, I can't believe that a guy like Taker right now is going to beat your Superman of the WWE. It's just. Booking is just retarded. Do I want to see Roman in this match? No, I don't. But if you're going to put Roman in this match, you need to make Roman turn. He needs to be a heel. He's got to get over on Taker. And then the next night on Raw, he's got to talk about how he's no longer, or he is the new dog in the yard right now. He put the other dog to sleep. Yes. And that, and that, that would have the fans going nuts. <laughs> I mean, and, and we talk about Braun Strowman. I mean, that was a match last year when they hinted at that. Strowman versus Taker. Everybody went nuts, and now all of a sudden, everybody wants the match this year. <laughs> I mean, I personally don't think that Roman beating Strowman killed Strowman's momentum. I think it kind of put a little damper on it, but Strowman coming out on Raw and then running away from Taker is what, for me, killed Strowman's momentum. Because you call this guy the man amongst men. And he's walking away from a 54-year-old man. (laughs) Come on now. Like, let's be real here. But, I mean, to go back to Taker and and Roman, like, I'm okay with this match because it it, it keeps Roman out of the title picture for now. I mean, I hope the Taker gets speared so hard that his other hip pops off. I, I don't know, man. I just... Taker and this whole mystique of Taker, it just doesn't do anything for me anymore. I, I agree with you 50%, Mike. Okay. And, and Credo's going to want to punch a baby when I say this. But uh. it's okay. <laughs> All right. Yes, Roman needs to be heel. And I think he needs to lose. Because by Roman beating The Undertaker means nothing anymore. You said it yourself. The story is a 54-year-old man beating that top dog. That, he's, he's the old lion last year on the pride, still trying to get some of that lioness pussy. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, if Roman beats Undertaker, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything because the streak is gone. Brock, Brock got the best of that. So yeah. I think the, uh, the Undertaker has to beat him and, and it has to stay away. I mean, let Roman stay a heel let him piss and moan uh, that that he lost to Undertaker, so on and so forth. There's there's better booking options if if the Undertaker wins. That's just my opinion because I get that in I terms do. of character development for Roman, 
but can I say this? And I'm going to steal words from you. Who's going to be there the next night on Raw? That's what I'm saying. But I mean, a loss to Taker. I mean, it doesn't for me. It doesn't do anything to the heel Roman. Like I don't believe this badass Superman. That next night, him cutting a heel ass promo about how he can't believe he lost to a fifty some odd year old man, and what would be he would get so much heat, but he would get heat the right way. Yeah, but I think I honestly, I honestly think that's where I got to disagree. I think he would get more heat if he beat Taker because you got these hardcore fans that still, they're still in love with this Undertaker character and, well, and they would go nuts if Roman won. No, I, I, I agree with that to where, uh, you know, like we we're saying before, let's let it play out. Let's see what happens. Let's, you know, <laughs> we let a lot of things play out and they haven't really unfolded the way we want them to happen. But this, if you're having this match, Roman versus Taker, this is where you turn Roman heel. You have to do it. You, you put Roman over Taker and then he has to come out cocky. And then, you know, the fans are going to boom the night after Mania, the biggest crowd uh, of marks in the world is right after Mania, at Mania, and then the Raw after Mania. Uh, you know the fans are going to boo him, win, lose, or draw. Have him win, but you have to turn Roman heel. Please, for the love of fucking God, turn him heel already. Uh, you're going to make money off him regardless, but it's like, you know... It, we yeah, get, do something right with this booking. And we get you're not going to turn Cena heel. Please turn Roman heel. Uh, I mean, just uh, please. Like, that. that's the only thing I think that will make sense after uh, Roman beating Taker. Like, for his character just to change for the good. And I think he needs that. I mean, you know, Roman Reigns was awesome when he wasn't really doing promos and he was just like in that rage coming out be- beating people's asses and then all of a sudden they gave him a mic and he started saying suffering succotash and went downhill from there but you know stop trying to make him the Cena you, know, you remember that I know you remember that you know, just, you just know. the worst it, and then he winked at the fucking crowd or, or the nope. camera like it was it's like yeah like it was so hard for him to say that it's like stop trying to make him this you know Cena 2.0 like you're, the fans aren't having it. It's not that tight. It's not, you know, it, times have changed since, like, how Cena became that character to where what we have now with Roman Reigns. So, at the end of the day, this Taker match needs to be that catalyst for Roman Reigns' heel turn. And I will be happy with that at the end of the day if this is that whole match that leads to just Roman being a full-blown heel. Because you already have Seth Rollins being a face. Uh, you already got Samoa Joe as a heel. You got Triple H still in the, the factor as a heel. We we got a few heels, but I think having Roman as that t- another top heel would be perfect, and I think it would suit him. And then maybe then the fans will start cheering for him, which will probably be fucking a. You know, it's like after all that work, you know, now we got all the fans cheering him too. Uh, after we just turned him, so I don't know. I think that's what really needs to just happen though. But uh, could you guys have seen anybody else face Taker this year? Uh, on that Raw roster? I mean, uh, who would you rather have seen, maybe, at the end of the day, besides Roman this year? I would have rather seen Finn Balor. Finn? Yeah. Yeah. Finn Balor. Yes. I I think those dueling entrances would have been... Amazing, and if it, and if it was if it was going to be his last year too, I would say that would have been a good passing of the torch to a demon versus a demon, you know, a new type of demon. But yeah, definitely Finn Balor is a good choice. What about you, agree, Cooter? Is that? Oh yeah, I mean, I think those dueling, those entrances together would have been amazing, one after another. Who do you who do you root for? And and whose would take longer because <laughs> that ramp from in, in the Citrus Bowl is pretty long. 
Undertaker walking or Finn Balor doing that like <laughs> demonic <laughs> crawl. Like, oh shit, man. You you better pull out 45 minutes just for the entrances alone. Wow. <laughs> so uh, at the end of the day, uh, give me a prediction. Can book the outcome for this, guys. Uh, Mike, uh, win, lose, or draw. Who's walking out of WrestleMania, Taker or Roman? Uh, like I said, a lot of people won't agree with this, but I think it's the best booking option. You turn Roman heel. You book him to win this match. That gives him the best heat of the night. Cooter, are you sticking with your guns? I'm sticking with my guns. I'm saying that Roman's turning heel, and I think Undertaker is uh, It's the last year of... Uh, well, how do I want to say this? Excuse me. It's the last year that old mangy lion is at the top of the pride type of thing. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, WrestleMania is not too far away, but we'll see what happens. We're still on that road to WrestleMania. It's broken WrestleMania right now. It's Everything's broken. God damn it, I'm out of Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs>